0: Well, uh, welcome uh, to everyone. It's good to see everyone here, uh, especially being able to make it out on this New Year's Day. I am not usually here for this service. In fact, uh, I have never been here for this service. (laughs) Uh, I've been at Lord of Grace since 2010, and I have never done this service before. I've been out every single time. Uh, Usually we do a Colorado Christmas vacation, uh, we take off the day at, after Christmas Day, uh, drive up. And um, this year we went to Colorado in the fall. So I stayed around. And um, so it's a little bit of a different, different time. I had a little bit of a, what do they call it, vacation. Uh, but I always like to remind myself that I'm living in the part of the world where other people come to visit, right? You, you're, you're, when you're living in a place like that, I I sometimes think we don't take the time to enjoy uh, where we are and the world around us. Uh, You know me, what I like to do, of course, I I chill out, um, I like to get out in the woods, and of course, it's a great week to be off uh, because nobody wants to do meetings uh, for two weeks. Darn. Um, Although I know it's coming, I know my schedule, I know it's coming. Uh, But it's also nice and cool, so it's a great time to get outside. And I've been going to various places. I went and saw Kochi's Stronghold yesterday. Uh, my phone says I logged 11 miles. I'm not sure of that. Uh, I think it might be a little bit exaggerated. But um, anyways, I hope you've been able as well to take a good vacation and have some time to chill during, what do they call it, dead week? Is that the week between Christmas? It's always, it's always one of my favorites. Nothing's going on. Um, and I get that You know, there's a lot of work running up to Christmas, and so having some time to chill is really good, to just take a breather, to relax, uh, to soak in the goodness of God and God's world. So I thought today, as something a little different, I would share with you uh, with uh, some of the things that I think, or some of the things that I found that give me joy in this season of the year. And I hope that some of the things maybe give you joy as well. Um, And uh, I hope that they can give you joy uh, as much as any of the presents that you've opened. So, here's my little list. I'm always grateful when a new year comes to get to make a new start. And, And one of the things I really believe in the Christian faith is that we are capable of change. That's always been one of our tenets, is that people can change. The sinner can be redeemed, the criminal can become the apostle kind of thing that wherever we are there's always a new direction that we could go in from wherever we start and i'll admit that in the past three years every time new year's has come i've been thankful and i've been praying to god please not let another delta epsilon zeta eta theta what are we up to xbb wave keep i I keep praying it's over 2020 was done and i just kicked the dust off my feet and said cursed be you But I'm hopeful, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that 2023 will be better than 2020. But it's always a chance to get a new start. And, And again, that's one of the things that our faith is about, right? Death and resurrection. You know, something happens, you start over again. And you can't really have resurrection without death. You can't have a new start without letting go of something that's old. And here in the middle of winter, when most everything is hibernating, I think it's a good time to let some things go. And start over. And I'm, I'm not really talking about the, the cliched New Year's resolutions. Does anybody actually do that? Or does everybody just talk about not doing it? Um, but the idea of just the idea of just reimagining, you know, of sitting down and thinking, dreaming a little bit. What if I did this differently? Or what does God want from me now, in this particular place? Uh, T.D. Jakes. Who, well, this is the first time I've ever quoted him. He calls it repositioning. I, I, can't, I can't preach like that guy does. Um, he calls it repositioning. He had, a, he had a line that caught me. He says, you shouldn't still be doing it 50, living your life just because of the choices you made at 25. You can reposition yourself. And as I'm soon approaching 50 in another month, um, you know, I didn't spend a lot of time, and some, maybe a lot of time in the woods, you know, thinking about what would be a new opportunity. What does it mean to start? Do we always have to do what we've done just because we did? Do we just have to keep living our lives stuck in the rut of what we did before? Although I know that of course when you sit down and you start trying to think of visions and dreams, there's stuff that comes with that, right? You know, again, newness comes with loss. So we may envision something new, but then we go, eh, I don't know. But all right, my second thing that, uh, uh, that I'm grateful for is new visions and new dreams. And, you know, the prophet Joel says, Your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. I guess I'm somewhere in the middle. My, my son, my, my middle son, swears that I'm definitely on the old end already. <laughs> uh, but it's a chance to take a new opportunity. Right, to do visions and dreams. And one of the things in the last two, three years has been all this, you know, God, if I have to hear words like pivot and virtual and adapt one more time. Uh, I was just thinking as I was sitting there listening to the hymns and looking up at, the, at all these cameras and remembering what it was like in 2020 and 2021 where you know, we're trying to get the services out to everyone and every week something went wrong right? You can remember those days, and I would spend hours and hours of my time during the week trying to get everything right. I'd be sitting running tests and tests, and, you know, one button wouldn't be pressed correctly, or one little setting wouldn't be chosen. Or, uh, for example, I did Lent services. I don't know if you remember these in 2021. I did Lent services. We were supposed to do these guided meditations. I thought it was so cool, right? We'd have somebody reading, and I'd be sitting here at the computer. We'd be live streaming it, and I'd hold the, the, the mic, and I'd read this meditation from the back. And then suddenly the service would just go boom, cuts off, dies. You know what I discovered? I didn't know this. I had to literally bring in an astrophysicist. Thank you, Paulette. Uh, her, son's, her, her, son, her son is an, a, a literal uh, astro-scientist to come in, I discovered the Wi-Fi on my computer is the same number of gigahertz as the portable mic. When you put them too close, it cancels the Wi-Fi. I learned that in seminary in 1999 and forgot it. But that's what life was like, right? So everything was adapt, adapt, adapt. And you're under pressure, and you got this gun to your head, and you got people emailing you, Pastor, I didn't see the service. Pastor, I didn't see the service. Pastor, I, I need to see the service. And I'm like, ah! I just spent 16 hours this week adjusting the computer, and I forgot to press go live. <laughs> Literally. And, but what I found was, when you're trying to be creative and you've got your gun to your head, you're not very creative. It's kind of the opposite of how it works, at least for me. Some people will swear. I know artists who will swear. You know, uh, you'll say, OK, I need this thing on this date next year. It will come in you know, two minutes before the deadline, and they'll say, oh, yeah, my best creativity comes in the last 30 minutes before the deadline. I'm not that way. And I found that with a gun to the head and that pressure and that deadline crunching down, there was no space to dream and vision. It was just this frantic, stressed out adaptation. But now we got some of that smoothed out. We're not perfect. We got some of that smoothed out. Now we can breathe. I'm hopeful for more breathing, more visions and dreams, and I think the Christmas season, you know, we've got this week. We've got time to regroup our energy. And again, I think sometimes it's hard to find the energy to think about visions and dreams when you're just running from appointment to appointment to deadline to deadline. You know, you've got to get all the presents and you've got to get your year-end reports and you've got to get the P&L, et cetera, et cetera. And I look at Mary sitting there. I look at Mary sitting there in the midst of all this, holding that baby, and I realize that she probably has plenty of energy on her own, or at least she did. But like most new mothers, having a newborn is just ridiculously draining. And especially when your newborn is supposedly going to, uh, as Mary said, bring the mighty from their thrones, cast down the powers, overthrow the rich, send them away empty. She's not just nursing a baby. She's nursing a revolution here. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of weight to carry. And God does not leave us or leave Mary alone in that uh, to try to carry out those plans and those visions for our lives. God gives us the strength to do it. I always try to remember that at Christmas. Otherwise, I think we'd all give up partway through if we didn't have that strength to go that last mile. I don't think God gives us visions we can't follow through on. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, and I'm reminded of that every time the season comes around. I'm also, the season also gives me the reminder that God is not distant and aloof, but here among us, actually among us. You know, I'm a nerd, right? It's why I sit and I compare, I, I dig through old texts, and I compare the God of the Bible to the gods that were around the Jewish people at the time. In the Old Testament, the other gods were, had names like Baal and Asherah and whatever the Egyptian gods were. In the New Testament, the other gods were what? Mercury and Jupiter, Mithras, there was a whole set of them. And one thing all those other gods had in common was they didn't care if you you don't have to study greek mythology for 10 minutes to realize zeus does not care about you he doesn't really care about anybody but zeus and uh uh, nor did baal they and they didn't care about you they don't get involved in this world unless they're either causing trouble or they're being bribed to get involved in the world right And and that was why the Baal worshippers were always trying to do sacrifices because Baal's up there not caring about things. you got to get him to care. you got to bribe him. Here, here's some wheat. Here's some cattle. Or for Baal, here's a child. The idea was to bribe him so he'd go, Oh, oh, look at that. Oh, sure, I'll send some rain. Oh, yeah. And then go back to not caring again. Nobody worshipped Baal because he cared. He was was always powerful, always threatening, never vulnerable, demanded respect, punished you if you didn't get it, but didn't give a rip if if anything happened to you. But the God of the Bible, he cares. He cares. He gets involved. He becomes one of us. And he works through persuasion and embraces weakness, And nothing shows that more than being a little baby with no power. I wonder how many Christians really, I wonder sometimes if if a lot of us Christians have a bit more of a Baal view of God. You know, distance, distant, aloof, and less of a sympathizes with the powerless kind of God. Christmas is a good correction. It's an image to hold us up to remember that. I am grateful that we have a holiday where I can get a longer Sabbath and not have to sleep at my work in an office cubicle because I'm going hardcore. If you ever see me sleeping in the conference room, kick me out. Actually, my wife would probably text me and say, get home. We're not going <laughs> hardcore. I am grateful to be able to have my family together. Uh, and I do pray for those who can't be with family uh, and who have enough problems that they're better staying away. I like to hold up how great it can be to have family, even though I know not everyone gets to say that. When I look at Mary and Joseph and the whole nativity scene, this is one thing that really strikes me is that Jesus himself did not come into the world with an intact family in the most traditional way. He he should have been born up in Nazareth, back up north. Uh, he should have been born with the extended family around him, Mary surrounded by the women of the village, you know, and people cheering and celebrating. Instead, he was far from home. It was just his mom and his adopted father. And instead of the big extended group around him, what does God do? He goes and he scrounges up some shepherds. And they show up and cheer. It was a family that God combobbled together. and then what was it? And it was amazing and it ended up amazing. It was a family of God's people, of God's creation and God's way. It was a family for people who were far away from theirs. And this is how God works, right? brings us together with people we don't always know, we don't always agree with, we don't always like. But God picks, God picks them to bring us together with in unsuspecting ways. And maybe that's you know, as much of a thread as I have to bring all my different ideas together about Christmas, is that we often have plans for our lives, and is that uh, we have plans for lives where we simply keep living in whatever way seems most comfortable. But God often comes in with other ideas, puts new people in our lives, and new opportunities in our way. And sometimes we ask for them, and often we don't. And they can turn out to be wonderful and life-changing. And they can bring us to a new start wherever we are. And isn't that something worth celebrating? Right? Isn't that something amazing worth celebrating? So Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everyone. God bless.